the Guthrie is 60 years old. I don't know of them ever doing a production like this in the 60 year history of the Guthrie. This is definitely a first. This is definitely why I want every indigenous person in the Twin Cities and in Minnesota or and even further out, come check it out, come see it. Bonjour, hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is more than a podcast and radio show. At its mm-hmm. core, it's a place for Native folks to tell their stories. And every week, we have great conversations with wonderful guests from a bunch of different backgrounds. We talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And it all centers around the big point of purpose in our lives and it's another day to amplify Native voices. How are you doing, Cole? I'm doing well. How, how are you doing? I'm fine. I got my zero sugar root beer with me. That's my, my favorite drink. So I'm doing good. I'm, I'm ready to hear a great conversation this week. Do you like kombucha at all? I do. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. How about you? What, what's up? Why do you ask? I, I like it, but... I f- I don't know. Do you like the chunks? I feel like I can have only like a half a cup at a time. <laughs> I don't know. But it, it's like a nice refreshing drink, you know. Um, uh-huh. I was just curious about, you know, favorite drinks and stuff. I I, I typically just grab a nice little LaCroix. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sparkling Wait, water. Not even a flavor in it? I sometimes do like the, what's it called? Pample, Pamplemousse. Pamplemousse. Uh, what's it called? I don't even know how to say it. It's like grapefruit. Pamplemousse. Yeah, grapefruit. I'm sorry. Like Definitely it was like kind of blurry there on Zoom. Is that plain LaCroix? Yep, pure. Just Ugh. pure <laughs> flavor. <laughs> but I do have like a what do you call those flavor squirts? So sometimes I'll throw like a, you know, some type of flavoring in there. Just throw it in there. You know, just just plain, just plain, you know, plain white bread and water for dipping. Busy. Sorry, that's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I I like a little flavor at least. We go through sparkling water like nobody's business. It's Oh yeah. It's a nice it's a nice way to get the water intake without just I just plain water. feel like it doesn't hydrate me. Yeah. Because yeah, you gotta go a little slower with the sparkling water. Especially if they be sparkling real good. Sparkling like uh Edward Cullen. <laughs> There you go. Twilight. Oh, God. That's the perfect point. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no. That's the perfect point to transition to this week. Um, we did things just a little bit different, um, and I'm very excited to share a conversation I had with Ernest Briggs. Yes. Thank you, Cole. Thank you very much for getting together with Ernest for this conversation. You know, every once in a while, our schedules... They just don't line up. So I'm glad you both made this happen. He's, uh, you know, big in the theater scene and he was part of like tech rehearsals and all that stuff. And I'm glad to share that. So Ernest is a White Earth Nation Ojibwe, uh, a director, writer, producer, teacher, and actor from the Twin Cities where he's worked uh, in the theater community for 15 plus years. He's the artistic director of Turtle Theater Collective a group of indigenous theater artists focused on telling native stories. Plus, as of this recording, he recently made his Guthrie debut with a role in the native comedy For the People, which is set in the Minneapolis native community on Franklin Avenue. Uh, He's a part of the Guthrie Theater's 
Native Advisory Council too, which uh, helped in the creation of the play. So we talked about that and a whole lot more. So hope you enjoy. Could you just start out by, you know, introducing yourself, tell us where you're joining us from, just a little bit of background. Sure. Uh, Ernest Briggs, I'm joining you all from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am the artistic director of Turtle Theater Collective here in the Twin Cities. I'm also an actor, writer, director, and producer. We always like to ask, how's how's the family doing? How are you doing? Uh, the family is great. Uh, it depends on which family you're talking about. If you're talking about my wife and two kids, they're doing phenomenal. They're loving it. Uh, loving this weather that we're getting ready to have here in the Twin Cities. Uh, if you're acting, uh, talking about my extended family, you know, I got two brothers and seven sisters and, you know, you know, a great big extended Ojibwe family. So, so they're all doing great, too, here in the Twin Cities and uh, in Prince of Bemidji as well. Great to hear. Great to hear. Yeah. Uh, family can mean whatever you want it to mean. So we appreciate <laughs> all of that. Um, so my sister always likes to ask, what's at the top of your mind right now? Is there something that you're geeking out on, you know, working on at the moment that's like holding your attention? Uh, certainly. One of the things that I'm geeking out on is uh, I'm working on For the People. You know, I, I, I play a role in that in that production. And I've been geeking out on that probably the last two or three years as we've been developing it. And I've just been geeking out on it the last month as we've been in rehearsal. Um, outside of that, if you're talking about streaming things, I've been so busy, I haven't caught the last season of uh, Reservation Dogs. Uh, and I'm, I plan to geek out on that, you, you know, over the next few weeks, too, as, as we get this show out to the world and everything like that. Uh, that's great. Uh, you obviously mentioned For the People. Let's let's dig into that. Um, you said it was a, what, like a several years process. When did it all begin? Like, tell us, tell us that whole journey. You, you know, uh, Turtle Theater Collective, as well as myself and several other local theater artists here in the Twin Cities, have been a part of this Native Advisory Council with the Guthrie Theater. Uh, that started once uh, a number of years ago when we did we did uh, I think we, we did a show called Water is Sacred, which was a series of readings and written things. And then we did Stories from the Drum, which happened just the year before lockdown and everything like that. And then we did Stories from the Drum. And I think that was in 2019. Uh, and one of the first things that we did when we were on this Native Advisory Council, myself and a few other other cast members and people that are involved, uh, we, we were like, we want to see a main stage show done at the Guthrie and everything like that. And the Guthrie was also working in process with Larissa Fasthorst as well as Ty Defoe. And so they came and they did a series of what they call story circles over the over a number of weeks in between 2019 and I think in 2020. And they were meeting with community in various places like the American Indian Center, DIW here in the Twin Cities and inviting lots of people in to come and see. I, I think a few of my sisters actually went and went to some of those meetings. Um, and then from that, they gathered a lot of stories. And from those stories, they decided that they wanted the, to focus the story on Franklin Avenue right here in the Twin Cities. And then they started workshopping a script. And I think about 40 or 50 pages came out of that first workshop. Uh, and we worked on that for about a week. And then there was a lot of notes, a lot of feedback, a lot of back and forth from people here in the community, as well as people in the cast and the writers as well. And then I think it was about... <laughs> Uh, I want, you know, I'm also thinking about the pandemic involved in that because, you know, we were doing a lot of that and also trying to be safe. And then I think six months to a year out, we did another reading of it. And that reading was done, I believe, at the American Indian Center at the time. And when we did the, the reading at the American Indian Center, the script changed from about a 50 page script to about an 80 to 90 page script. 
Uh, it was really good. A lot of humor in it, you know, because natives are all about sense, having a sense of humor and having a nice laugh and everything like that. But it's also talking about various things going on in our communities right now, you know. And uh, yeah, that was a really good reading. And then we had one more workshop reading that, you know, at the Guthrie Theater. And then that was another week process and everything like that. You know, one week process is what I was trying to say. And then uh, it, they they decided they were like, this is this is a show in some good shape and it's it's really good. So let's put it in our next main stage season. And then it got announced, you know, for the people by Tyler, Ty Defoe and Larissa Fastworth at, at the Guthrie Theater. And, you know, and then. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to be asked, you know, to join the cast for the for the role of Levi Mitchell, which I, I which I had uh, originated in the workshop. So I was really happy to do that. So. Great. Um, and that actually leads me to my next question is just like your audition process and your role in the play. Because I was I was far along in the, in the workshop process, I, I actually I always I always kind of liken that to like I was probably auditioning while I was going. You know, I was helping to develop the character, coming up with ideas, you know, but on top of that, the writers were also giving me a lot of ideas and the directors, the director was giving me a lot of ideas as well along the way. And then I, you know, I guess you could say I was probably auditioning as we went. And then I was lucky enough that after that last workshop reading, I was just asked if I wanted to play the role of Levi Mitchell, if it, if it went to production and if my, it fit with my schedule. And I was like, yes, it does. And I was like, I was like, yes, I'm going to say, definitely say yes to doing that. And uh, Levi Mitchell, I'll just describe as is a is a Dakota man in his uh, early to mid thirties. Uh, I will I will just say he is very passionate, um, uh, uh, very much knows what he wants, very much knows how to command a room with his voice as well as with his demeanor and everything like that, and is always working for change. And sometimes that means trying to get everybody to sort of get on board with him and everything like that. So. Uh, that's the best way to describe him. That's how I would describe Levi Mitchell right now. But he's also, he really cares about the community and, and moving things in a good direction. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing Cole's conversation with Ernest Briggs, an Anishinaabe director, writer, producer, teacher, and actor from the Twin Cities, where he's worked in theater for 15 years. Is it is it unique? Like, has the Guthrie put on a play, a performance that's centered around the uh, Native American cultural corridor? Is, is this, like, unique in that it's one of the first stories about that i i would very much agree with you this is extremely unique uh, guthrie's been around since uh 1963 uh i only know that because because my, my mother was born in 1963 which means the guthrie is 60 years old i don't know of them ever doing a production like this in the 60-year history of the guthrie this is definitely a first uh this is definitely why i want every you know indigenous person in the twin cities and in minnesota or and even further out come check it out come see it at the Guthrie, because, you know, this is the first time in the 60-year history that they've done a community show like this that's centered on Franklin Avenue, you know, right here in the Twin Cities. Yeah, and that's what, like, flew off the page because I've been covering, you know, things that have happened, you know, issues and events on Franklin Avenue for, you know, past several years, and just seeing that, it's it's, it's refreshing to see a, that area get some, you know, a different type of coverage. I was just asked recently in an interview, you know, for the Guthrie, they, they were 
they were asking me what my connection is to Franklin Avenue. And I said, I'm, I said, I'm lucky enough to be old enough. I said, I was actually in soaring Eagles program on Franklin Avenue before it became golden Eagles. And then I was in the golden Eagles program for many years, uh, it, you know, which was actually done out of the American Indian center over there, right off Franklin Avenue, you know, and I was actually a student who actually went to four winds, Middle school, if you remember Four Winds Middle School before it became Anishinaabe Academy, you know, much mm. further down the road. But I actually uh, went, I, I went third through eighth grade through uh, to Four Winds Middle School right there, right off of Franklin Avenue. I'm a Mille Lacs band member and they have the Mille Lacs band office. So I go there a lot to, you know, get the license updated, things like that. Powell Grounds is a great place to do, you know, writing, you know, if you're writing a piece and it's just a great place. Is Powell Grounds going to be part of the? Powell Grounds is name drop. Yeah, yeah. Is it name drop? Definitely name drop. There's a whole there's a whole scene where we talk about Powell Grounds and the and the great food that they have. I think we definitely mentioned that the tacos that they have at Powell Grounds. We also uh, I don't want to give too much away, but we mentioned a little bit more of the menu too. <laughs> yeah, no spoilers, no spoilers, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's it like working with the rest of the cast? Um, and <laughs> I want to tag that after you know, the rest of the cast with what's it working like with West Studi? Because I got to tag it with that. So first the whole cast in general, and then West Studi. Uh, you know, this has been an amazing process. You know, the vast majority of the cast is indigenous, you know, with the exception of uh, one uh, white woman in the cast, you know, and it, it's just been a phenomenal process. Our first week that we were here, you know, we were, we were all just getting to know each other and everything like that. Uh, and it turns out, you know, one of our cast members actually, the, their relative was actually the person who runs Awamni. And we were, you know, one of the things that gets name dropped in the script is Awamni. And we all decided to go out for a dinner at Awamni together. And we, we were able to make that happen. And we all sort of bonded over that over the next few weeks. And then we, we went down to a powwow together down in Mankato as well, you, you know, together as a cast because just doing stuff together sort of like bonds you a little bit. And it's just been an easygoing process and just getting to know everybody and playing off of each other and just having lots of fun. Everybody in this cast is extremely generous and just easygoing and great to work with. It's, it's been one of the easiest, one of the easiest processes I've ever been through with working with a lot of cast members. It's, it's, it's just been so much fun. And then now, for that, you want, you want to know what it's like to work with Wes Studi. <laughs> Because, come on, I mean, I grew up with Dances with Wolves, Last of the Mohicans, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And now there's Reservation Dogs where he's awesome. Yep. Like, my, 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 sister, guy. my sister just referred to that when, when, I, when I asked her, she was coming into town to see the tickets. She was like, Wes Studi's in your cast. I just saw him on Reservation Dogs. I, I said, he's done a lot more than that, too. You know, she's like, I know, I know. And I was like. Um, and it's interesting because because you know the first few weeks you know me and another cast member were, were like we're working with a legend and everything, but he is so down to earth, he's so laid back, ridiculously funny in this show, and just like you know outside of a lot of other things too. Wes Studi is one of the funniest people I, I have ever worked with in my entire life, um, <laughs> both on stage as well as off. He always has a nice little joke to throw at us and just make us laugh, um, and just. I, yeah, I, I can't stress that enough. Down to earth and just so like chill and laid back and just willing to have a good time and willing to have just a great time working with actors. Well, let's transition to a little bit about your background. Like uh, you mentioned, you know, getting into theater, like what sparked that passion to to get into this line of work? 
I got into this because me and my brother used to recreate Star Wars a lot in our own backyard. Uh, it, it probably started because it was so cold in Minnesota. Uh, and we we just wanted to recreate the snow sequence from Empire Strikes Back a, a great deal. And so we we recreated a lot of those moments or the lightsaber battles that we just thought were so epic. And, you know, that's really how it all started for me. And then over the course of many years, you know, I also studied acting a little bit in various places. You know, I, I worked here professionally in the Twin Cities as an actor, moved out to L.A. for a few years and studied out there. Uh, my first real big thing, I think, would, would be Red Ink right here in the Twin Cities. And I think that was 2008. Um, that was a show that was done at Mixed Blood. That was my first union equity show that I had ever done in the Twin Cities as well. And then off of that, I moved out to L.A., worked on a few projects out there, both, you know, on camera as well as in theater and studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and then moved back here to the Twin Cities, worked again. And then I ended up going to grad school down in uh, Florida at the University of Florida, where I got my MFA in uh, theater and acting. And then. I, you know, me and my, me and my wife at the time were like, what do we want to do? We want to start a family. Maybe we move back to the Twin Cities and then help start a theater company called Turtle Theater Collective, you know, which is a collective of indigenous theater artists, you know, that want to tell really interesting native stories and uh, been doing that and working in theater here for quite a while. And then whenever I'm not doing that, I'm usually doing voiceover work as well as doing, you know, on camera work whenever I can get it. So. Mentioned Turtle Theater Collective. Let's get into that a little bit more. Like, uh, how how is that going? How long has that been a thing? What did you want to do with it? I know you mentioned a little bit of a, a tagline, so to speak. Yeah, but definitely. just like, let's get into it a little more. Yeah, you know, it was you know it was started in about 2017, 2018, and you know it was founded pre-pandemic. You know, to sort of like reimagine certain theater productions you know, that haven't been done before with Indigenous Native actors on stage, as well as doing new work by Indigenous writers as well. You know, we we did uh, Almighty Voice and His Wife, which was by Daniel David Moses, that was presented at the Southern Theater in our first season. Uh, there was a couple of readings that we did at the Playwright Center as well. We did Our Town, you know, by Thornton Wilder, but, you know, with the Gibbs and Webb family also being an all Ojibwe family, as well as an all Dakota family. And then the rest of the town was, you know, you know, multi-ethnic, multiracial as well. You know, it, it, that was done at the Division of Indian Work in a, in a found space, which was really good. And then we did Larissa Fast Horse's What Would Crazy Horse Do uh, at Mixed Blood Theater. And I think that was that was in July of 2019. I, rem I, I know it was July of 2019 because my daughter was born the week we opened that show and I was producing that show and acting in that show at the time. So, you know, and it, it, was, it was a nice little bit of kismet. And that's when I took over as artistic director in 2019. And then pandemic, of course, happened. So we spent most of our time actually doing a lot of workshops, a lot of things on Zoom, as most people were doing. And then we just came out of pandemic about a little over a year ago. And we did This Way Yonder by My Montana Cypress. Um, and that was done at History Theater uh, in St. Paul. And uh, we've actually been doing a lot of grant writing lately. We're going to be doing a lot of uh, education workshops um, to uh, hopefully, in my opinion, hopefully build up the next generation of Indigenous youth artists that want to actually jump into the theater world. So we have a grant to actually travel to reservations and, you know, teach Indigenous, you know, well, teach theater to, you know, to people on those reservations as well. So that's my plan over the next few months or so to do that. 
Uh, and then on top of that, we're, I'm always taking meetings and trying to do collaborations going forward. So nothing's set in stone yet in terms of what we're going to be doing for our next main stage season. But like, I'm already trying to set meetings up to make sure that happens. And you mentioned grants, and that that brings uh, you know another question to my mind. Obviously, the the for the people show is kind of centered around finding a grant. Um, and grants have been, you know, an important thing in the community. Um, and, and there's a lot of funding out there that people don't necessarily think, you know, aren't aware of. Um, could you just talk on just the grant process and, and, and finding those things that can help you, you know, do your art, artistic visions or anything else? Definitely. You know, I always tell people you should look, you should go to the Minnesota State Arts Board you know, if, if there is like a story that you want to write or there's something you want to do with your own artistic practice and you or maybe there's something you want to learn about because they, they actually have education grants as well so that you can go and study with somebody or maybe you just need some money in order to actually create something that you wanted to spend time to do. I myself apply for lots of grants for writing so that I can take time away from some of the things that I'm doing to say I'm going to spend a week or two here just to sit and write. You know, because I want to I want to write this play or I want to write this screenplay or something like that in order to. But sometimes you have to take time away from some of the other things that you do. And there's definitely funds there in various places where you can definitely do that. The Minnesota State Arts Board is, is a definitely a place that I would do that. They fund arts projects all over the state. That's a great place to start. And on top of that, there's other national grants that you can apply for. Um, over the last few years, I was just doing a Warner Brothers fellowship and. During that process, I learned about a lot of other grants. I, I I got to pitch a couple of different things to various organizations. And during my pitches, they were, they were like, that's really good. They were like, you should really apply for this grant over here from this place. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't I didn't even know about the grant. So I, I was like, I'll definitely do that. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing my conversation with Ernest Briggs, an Anishinaabe director, writer, producer, teacher, and actor from the Twin Cities, where he's worked in a theater community for 15 plus years. Any advice you'd give to those wanting to follow in a similar path, wanting to get into theater? I know it's, it's not just acting, it's also producing, it's directing, it's all that stuff. What, would, what advice would you give, you know, who want to do that? The easy answer to that question is put yourself on a path to doing that. If it if it means acting in a community theater show, go audition for a community theater show and, you know, start acting there if you want to act on stage. If you want to act in films, find out where there's a lot of auditions at for film, you know, short films, get into some short films. There's a lot of a lot of these programs that a lot of these colleges and universities do a lot of student films. And you can get started there. There's ones at MCTC they do every year uh, and they actually pay their performers as well. I just want everybody to know that, you know, and there's other colleges and universities, even if they don't pay, you're getting experience when you're starting out as well. And from that, you know, I always tell people, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities, work begets more work. You know, if you want to produce, you know, start working with people who want to create projects. If you want to write, you know, read some books, you know, find find a nice little process you know, because I think a lot of people think writing is easy. I find personally find writing a little bit more difficult than anything else out of all of the things that I do. Um, but yeah, read some books, find out a good process that works for you for writing a nice short film and then writing a feature length film and then do that and then get people together that want to help produce your project. If it's directing, you know, 
find a director at a, at a theater and see if you can shadow them, see if you can become an assistant director and learn how the process works or on a, or on a set as well. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in you just get yourself out there and start working because if you really want to work in the field, you know, there's nothing greater than learning while doing. On top of that, you know, always be educating yourself, take an acting class, take a directing class. If you can find one, if you take a writing class, you can definitely do that. You know, Turtle Theater Collective will be offering those in the future as well. You know, and uh, the Native Advisory Council at the Guthrie is always offering classes in that variety. So we would always like to hear, you know, <laughs> nice ideas for classes that they would like us to teach as well. So, How would you describe your acting style or things you want to convey in your other artistic ventures when, when it, either it, it be producing or directing? What things do you like to tackle and what genres, themes do you like to present? Uh, definitely. I, I, I would def describe my acting style as very grounded uh, and very moment to moment. I like to be in the moment that I'm actually having and experiencing with people. You know, and that, that actually is a lot about how my artistic process works. You know, if I sense that a lot of the people around me want to see a story done like this, then that's the direction that I sort of move as an as a producer, as a writer, and as a director. As like the community sort of feels this way. So those are the stories that we should be telling. Uh, we just did a reading a little over a year ago of Marcy Rendon's play, Say Their Names, that was done at um, the History Theater in St. Paul as well during the uh, around the time that we were doing um, the other production that I was I had referred to. Um, because that's that's still an issue in our community that we need to talk about. Missing and murdered Indigenous women is something that we need to constantly talk about because it's not going away anytime soon, and that's the community wanted a voice to talk about that. And so I jumped on being a producer in that capacity because there was already a very, very well-written script, and I helped us assemble a nice group of actors and a, a great director. And that story is an extremely powerful story, um, I do believe it should be seen by everybody at some point. Is there any final thoughts, anything else you'd like to mention, whether it's the show or whether it's, you know, just about you and what you want to convey to the listener? I'll just tell everybody right now, come see For the People at the Guthrie Theater. We're running until November 12th. You know, there's plenty of shows in there to come see. You know, there's there's a mat, there's matinee performances, there's evening performances. Come and see it because how often do you... In, you get to see an, a vast majority indigenous cast, you know, in a show at the Guthrie Theater running for over a month. Travel, bring your friends, you know. There's a nice little elder code there if you'd like to get free tickets if you're a native elder. You know, you can get 50% off tickets, you know, if, if you're part of the indigenous community as well. Um, and just come see the show because it's a great indigenous cast, you know, you know, doing amazing work at the Guthrie right now, both behind the scenes and on stage, you know, just a great crew of artists and people. And I'll also just say, and Wes Studi's in this show, you know, <laughs> come see this show because Wes Studi's in it. That was great, Cole. Hey, Ernest Briggs. Very, very cool person. Yeah. Um, and very enjoyable conversation. Yeah, it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful chat, and I'm glad he, he took some time out of, you know, his work on for the people to to take a second mm -hmm. and and talk on his life and all of that good stuff. So, 
Thank you to Ernest Briggs. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giga Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.